Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Here at the Ranger Report Podcast, we only represent products we believe in. As you've heard over the past year plus, we've been running our Walton's commercial. I've been using Walton's products for a long time now, and let me tell you, they're some of the best seasonings I've ever used. One of my staples to make at my house are pork chops, and their ultimate pork chop and roast rub has gotten more compliments than anything that I've ever used. For burgers, their better burger seasoning is delicious, and I only use that on my burgers. Again, tons of compliments. They have all kinds of seasonings that you can imagine. They have barbecue sauce and the thick kind, not the watery kind at all. If you're into wild game, they have seasons and rubs for that as well. Don't forget their line of sausage casings and all the tools to make your own meat products from sausage and jerky to grinders and more. Walton's really is a one-stop shop for everything but the meat. If you like tips and tricks and videos on how to do a whole lot of things when it comes to cooking, then you should go to www.meatgistics.com. Go to www.waltonsinc.com today and start shopping and tell them the Ranger Report podcast sent you. Walton's, everything but the meat. This is Bruce Bochy, and you're listening to the Ranger Report. The Ranger Report. Yeah, the Ranger Report. If you want the inside scoop, listen to the Ranger Report. Oh, here we go. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the World Series champion, Texas Rangers, from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter, Tyler Nielsen, and C.J. Berryman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ranger Report podcast brought to you on the Preferred Health Solutions online studio by Walton's. Walton's everything but the meat. Visit Walton's.com for all of your seasoning and everything else needs and brought to you by uh, Dallas Sports Nation. And of course, we're on the Fan First, Fans First Sports Network. I almost forgot. I was thinking I was forgetting something old Fans First Sports Network. And I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor we've already talked about. 
but now you'll see the graphic right over there by Tyler's face uh, on the YouTube video for Comfort Air in Hereford, Texas. It is uh, Mac Nielsen, which is M-A-C-K, by the way. I spelled it wrong when he was on the podcast, and I felt yeah, bad about that. Yeah, you forgot the K. But, and I forgot the K. But Mac Nielsen and uh, Comfort Air thank them very much for helping CJ and I get to spring training in a couple of weeks, helping us get around in style in our in our rental car. So uh, Comfort Air came through and helped us get that. Of course, Walton's helped us. You know, we've had a lot of people help us get to spring training since we're going this year, but especially Comfort Air. So you guys, if you're in that Amarillo, Hereford, or surrounding areas, all your air conditioner needs, man, go to Comfort Air. Tyler, why don't you say a little something about it? Because I know that's your brother. Well, I mean, they're top class. I mean, of yeah. course, you know, my dad was a perfectionist uh, owning the company. And then when he passed away, my brother took over. And um, my brother's very, you know, grateful to be doing this for the podcast, you know, since I've joined and helping everybody out, you know, the podcast and watching it grow. So uh, thank you, Mac. Thank you for Comfort Air and for what you do for your value, value customers. Yeah, without someone like Comfort Air, there's no way this podcast could go to spring training. But we got the, these businesses and, of course, they have personal connections with us. But it doesn't matter because it still helps and they're still doing well, a great thing. thing is if you like air and you like being comfortable, <laughs> all Comfort Air. Dude, you should do their commercial, CJ. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to. Anyway, <laughs> back, already talked back, about it. back to the old X. Uh, you can find me at BDeter75. You can find me at CGB underscore RR. And I do want to say real quickly uh, with the wildfires going on up here in, in mm -hmm. the panhandle, we had some serious, serious scares. Uh, Tyler and I were pretty much preparing to evacuate uh, Tuesday night uh, when that thing started hitting Pantex, the, the biggest nuclear power plant mm -hmm. in the United States. So we were kind of preparing there. And then all of a sudden we wake up this morning to snow. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow it's going to be 70 degrees and winds high and fires are going to be a blazing. So uh, everybody be safe around this area, please. Uh, just just keep 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 watching what's going on. Uh, yep. And I am Tyler Nielsen. You can find me on the X at the Ranger Report podcast. And like CJ said, just keep everyone around here in the panhandle in your prayers. It is the largest wildfire in Texas history. In the history. Uh, in the history of Texas. So, um, it's because all they, them California people that moved here, they brought the fire. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you that, Ben. Yeah. yeah. Just, just keep everybody in your prayers. I know there's already been two confirmed deaths, uh, be with those yeah. family, uh, in your thoughts and prayers. And just North of us, Tyler, is where they, where they, yep. there was one in French, I believe French, Texas. And there was also one, uh, lady yeah. got out of her vehicle, I believe outside of Pampa, Texas, trying to escape the fire and, uh, perished, unfortunately. So, uh, fires are nothing to joke around about, yeah. but, uh, yeah. these are times as a community, we have to come together and help each other out. Uh, if there's anything y'all can do uh, around here in the Amarillo community, uh, me and CJ would be more than willing to help deliver the goods for, uh, to the surrounding areas. So just, uh, reach out to us and let us know if anything y'all can do by helping out. Thank you. You can find Tyler. Uh, his email is now Tyler at the ranger report.com. Correct. And then CJ is Berryman, CJ at the Ranger Report.com. And spam I'm Tyler's email with it. Yeah, spam it. It's his new email. Send him a whole lot of emails. So <laughs> spam him with a thousand emails. But anyway, all that. And I almost forgot to mention we have a nice guest on tonight, Derek Mendoza, former strength and conditioning coach, I believe, for the Seattle Mariners, among lots of other things. Derek, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Glad to be on. Thanks for inviting me out. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we have lots to talk about with Derek, but we're going to start tonight 
since spring training is going on and comfort air is helping support our spring training trip. We thought we'd talk a little about spring training. Lots going on with the Josh Young injury, which we've talked about the Corey Seager injury, you know, is Wyatt Langford going to make the team or not? I wrote an article on Dallas sports nation on uh, my opening day projections for the lineup. And I threw Justin Foscue in there, which I thought I figured, I'd get more. I figured that's where we'd start, Ben. I, I thought we'd get more argument about that from, from regular people, but I think I will from you guys. But anyway, I threw out a lineup and I figured, we could talk about that for a minute tonight. So, CJ, I'll start with you. Where was I wrong in the lineup? Just one, I think. I think the guy that you had at DH is going to make the team, but not as the DH. I think Sam Huff is going to be the DH. I, I've stood by that for six months now, <laughs> or whatever, however long going into this year. He's going to try to fill that Mitch Garver role, and that's that's what the Rangers need, of course. Got a backup catcher in the offseason with Tyler Kisner. Yep. And so you got three catchers there, and and he can also play first base. But let's not forget about the young guys coming up. And like Justin Foskey, Blaine Crimp, Dustin Harris is another name uh, to be an outfielder. Yep. And but Ezekiel Duran is going to be super important. And Josh Smith again. Josh Smith is going to be super important on that list. And again, I didn't do the whole roster. I just did the opening day lineup. Right. You did the opening so lineup. We need so to do I, the full roster the, at some point, but I just did the lineup for this one. Believe it or not, Ben, I agreed with everything except DH, which, of course, you know, the lineup when you're coming off a World Series, ain't it ain't hard. <laughs> no, it's not real hard to put together because it's, you know, almost the same group of guys. So, all right, Tyler, Tyler. Where, where did I go wrong? Um, I think you went wrong with the starting pitcher and Dayton Dunning. I think it'll be Nathan Avaldi uh, pitching on opening day. Um, now, as far as the DH, I'm uh, agreeing with CJ on this. I don't think it'll be Foskey. I do see Foskey making the team, but I do see Wyatt Langford being your DH to start uh, opening day. He's not making the roster. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. This is going to be fun to argue for the next month until the season I know. starts. Right? That's, I mean, that's what we're here to do. That's what we do. We debate. And I saw I saw Jeff Wilson in his uh, rangerstoday.com wrote that he thinks Langford now is going to make the team, although all, all, all season he was saying he wasn't. So, you know, there, but you know, when Mike Maddox, you guys read this and uh, Tyler turned me onto that article by Jeff Passan, where Mike Maddox said he just saw the best player on the field, you know, yeah. and it was Wyatt Langford. So, you know, the coaches are noticing how good this kid is. He doesn't have 200 at bats as a professional. He doesn't period. have a hundred at bats. He's got a little over a hundred at bats. Does he a little over a hundred? Hey, but, okay. here, but here's the deal. Did Evan Carter have 200 professional at bats? Yes, he did. He he went he went through three years. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you're looking at a 20-year-old kid versus a 21-year-old kid. I mean, if Bruce Bochy, which we've talked about this over and over on podcast, if Bruce Bochy sees a potential and that Wild Lakeford could help this team win now, that he's not going to hold the kid back. I don't I know disagree that, I with know that. that. Yeah. I know I'm not disagreeing with that. If Bochy decides, yeah, he's making the team. Am I going to sit here and say, oh, that was wrong? And hell no. We just won a World Series championship with him. Right. And we watched him win three before, one against us in 2010. And so, two weeks from now, CJ, two weeks from now, you and I might be saying a, saying a different story once we see the kid actually play next year. Yeah, week. yeah. We, we have no <laughs> idea, but I just yeah. don't – I just want to see him start in double-A, get a month in, uh, start in triple-A at the next month as long as he's doing as well as, as, as the team, uh, as, as long as he's doing what they want to see. And then after that, and of course, injuries always come into play. I was going to say, I was about to say one spring training injury, so, though, and Langford's definitely on this team. I, CJ, I so. CJ, let me ask you this. So 
You've already seen what he's done at double A last year. You've already seen what he's done at triple A last year. Why do you have to give him another opportunity to prove what he has to do at double A and triple A? Under 200 at bats, teams and pitchers, opposing pitchers, have not had time to figure him out yet. He's well, not going through those growing pains. He hasn't he hasn't gone through uh, a long session of, you know, a, a slump where pitchers have figured him out and he's going to have to adjust back to them the way they adjusted to him. I want right. to see that before I say he's going to make the major. And here, here's my thing, Tyler and CJ and, and Derek. Here's my thing with him is they don't want him sitting on the bench. They want him playing. And I'm exactly. afraid that if he's with the Rangers, he's not going to be playing every day. He'll be playing three games a week, maybe four games a week. And I think the Rangers want him playing every single they day. Want him that's playing, the main reason. Playing I think, and playing outfield because he's a damn good outfield. And I don't, yeah, really I don't think they want him DH, and I think they want him playing in the field. So that's why I think he's going to start in the minors. And I think, like I said, that's why I think he's one injury away. If Leody Tavares goes down, if, God forbid, Adolis goes down, you know, if Evan Carter starts the season 0 for 70, you know, something like that, you're going to see Wyatt Langford. Or even if Travis Jankowski goes down, I could see. Dustin uh, Harris, you got to remember. Dustin yeah, you got to remember Dustin Harris, too. So there's a lot of in play there for him to make the team. I just don't feel like they're going to do it unless he is so good in spring training that he outplays everybody. And then I can see him making the team. But for right now, I don't see him making the team. But I'm also Tyler. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. That's all I'm saying. I don't see him making the team. But it wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. He wouldn't be one of those shocking guys. Right. Yeah. Like, nobody, in opinion, nobody in this debate's going to be wrong. I mean, if he no, doesn't yeah. make it, you know, I'd be the first one to swallow my pride and say he yeah. didn't make the club. But, you know, yeah. that's not a broad, bad problem to have, obviously. I mean, uh, like, yeah, we, we, we've got like, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if someone like Jack Leiter made the team out of spring training. I don't yeah. think he's going to make the team. Yeah, that would shock me. I wouldn't be shocked if Wyatt Langford made the team. And, out of and one training. one name and uh, we were about the 10 minute mark. So we got to start transitioning. But one name to keep an eye on on from the pitching side because I was a pitcher both Derek and Tyler know that I faced Derek um, probably a thousand times <laughs> growing up uh, Cole Wynn let's keep an eye on Cole Wynn and yep. he's having a really break. good spring and he's this, having a good yeah, spring it's make or break for him he had a good uh, Arizona Fall League read a really good article about him today yeah, yeah he, he's so. he's definitely he's definitely one that could also make the team I agree he, he's one that like Jake Latz, who's already had a little bit of major league time. Those two well, guys really their time is here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and give this real real quick. Dark horse candidate to be the number five starter. Because we all agree we would put Cody Bradford there, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Zach Kent. It could happen. I mean, yeah. I mean, he if, if, stay if everybody healthy. stays healthy. Problem. Yeah, if everybody stays healthy right now, I think one through five is set up until you know the you know, around June, July until everybody comes back healthy. But I think yeah, it's I could, set and I, could see, I could see Zach being the the long man like Bradford was last year out of the bullpen. Yeah. And then right. as soon as someone goes down or gets hurt, then Zach steps in and becomes that fifth starter. I could see that I, happening I, for sure. I, I, think, Zach, I, I think Zach's ready for that jump. Zach is a huge friend of the show, and Zach is a fantastic pitcher. We had him on for, what, three weeks straight? <laughs> three, yeah. We had him on and he pitched the best game of his of his career. And he called us and asked us if he come on again. He the next demanded week. Because, because he played, he pitched so long on the day on the day of his start. He came on of the day of the start, yeah, which is unusual for starters. Yeah, it was pretty funny. All right, let's go. All right, let's go. Let's transition. All right, so let's get off spring training. That was brought to you by Comfort Air. Um, so let's talk a little bit, guys. Go ahead and start us off with Derek. Derek, again, thank you for being with us. Absolutely, thanks for having me. CJ, I'm going to let you take the reins first. All right, Derek. 
So uh, how long did you work for the Mariners? Uh, eight and a half years. So eight, eight seasons. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Tyler told me you had a couple favorite players that you liked working with, and, and they were Nelson Cruz, who obviously we love him with the Rangers, and Kyle Seeger. Corey's brother, Kyle Seeger, uh, who we hated because he we loved killed hate, us. Yeah. <laughs> we, lo- so, we hated him because he was so dang good, not because he was a ter- terrible person. Kind of, kind of talk about your your time there with the Mariners. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, coming up in in the minor leagues, there were a lot of players that I I loved watching, especially watching their call ups, right? But especially during spring training when everybody's together, you know, there's big league camp, minor league camp, but in the big league camp. Uh, working a lot with, you know, Seager and, and, and Nelson. Uh, those two guys are just guys that came in, did their job, and they led by example. You know, in the clubhouse, you had somebody like Nelson Cruz who was a big talker to the teammates, right? But he wasn't a very boastful guy outside of that. And then you had a guy like Kyle Seager who just led by example. And so that, that was always great to see because the dude just worked his butt off, just a good old country boy from Carolina. North Carolina and just, uh, you know, just always loved his presence. When he, when he walked in a room, even though he didn't talk very much, there was just something about him, right. That you felt like as soon as you started a conversation with them, it's like, man, this is, this just good dude. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I loved, uh, I loved getting the opportunity to be able to work some with some high level guys like that. And you, uh, got to see a little bit of the Adrian Beltre, Felix Hernandez, rivalry so talk about how fun that was to be uh obviously you're a rangers fan but being on the opposing side just watching the fun that they had just playing baseball man absolutely and i think it was even it's even more fun during spring training right because during spring training you guys i mean you guys have been before and you guys are about to go but it's such a small like stadium feel right these stadiums are so small you can you're in the dugout, but you know that the fans can hear all the interactions going on. And so anytime we anytime we played the Rangers, when I was with the with the Mariners, I'm saying we, I mean it's not we anymore, but fast. So when when we would play the Rangers, it was nonstop. You already knew before the game they were gonna come, they were gonna clap it up, they were gonna start running their mouth to each other, point at each other, start running their mouth from from far. Every every time they would see each other from you know the corner as they're walking in started the chatter's already started and then it starts in spanish and then you know goes to a little bit of broken english and it just it's just fun to watch the interaction because you know they love each other but you know how competitive they are and you know Felix is one of those guys where i remember uh 2006 2016 i think was the first time at the end of my season i i had the opportunity to go up to the big leagues for the rest of the season um and I watched Felix play. And first off, his his entrance was amazing. It was like, it gives me chills just thinking about it sometimes. Um, but also getting to watch the comp- competitiveness of him from pitch to pitch was unbelievable. Like he was the nicest guy. Some people thought he was, you know, um, you know, didn't didn't really see that competitive side of to him, like fewer around him. But once he stepped in between those lines, it's like something switched. And so that was that was awesome to see. And then knowing about Beltre, knowing about, uh, you know, watching him for so long, knowing how competitive he was to see two elite guys who were at the top of the game. 
having so much fun with each other, but still going out and wanting to, you know, hit a home run off Felix or, or strike him out every time they knew they did not want to be the, the blunt of the, of the joke. The next because time. there was going to be some showboating after whatever happened, whether Beltre. Oh, I'll, I'll be honest. One of my there. favorite clips of the two of them was late in Beltre's Beltre's career when Felix struck him out and Beltre swung out of his shoes and fell over. Oh my and God. Felix tried to keep he's, a straight he's face. Going, he tried to, going and then he just couldn't. And then he just started walking toward Beltre and just laughing. And Beltre was so mad. And then later that game, Beltre hit a home run off of him, and he was laughing, running around the bases. And Felix was laughing. I mean, just like you said, watching the two of them compete, like and to see the both things happen in one game. He struck him out, and then he hit a home run. It was just hilarious to watch. I mean, just. I never liked Felix, obviously, because he was so dang good. I, I hated it when he pitched him. against him. Yeah, yeah, we don't like any L. Yeah, but man, players, watching but the two of them interact was so fun. Well, watching those two guys on the diamond was watch, watching like two little kids playing yeah. t-ball, you know, it just was, running yeah. around, having fun. But, you know, at the same time, like Derek said, once those guys stepped between the lines, those guys oh, yeah. were focused on what they were doing. Of course, they're out there and they want to make it entertaining for the fans. And, of course, they're, I mean, best friends. I don't know if they're best friends, but they're very close. And just to watch them too, you know, you look at a lot of the Beltray funniest moments, greatest things that he ever did. And it, it, a lot of it includes uh, Felix. King Felix. Yep. Yeah. King Felix. So one thing I'll say from, from a, from a Rangers, you know, fan and, and, and media person and all that watching for years is like CJ said, I always had a, so much respect for Felix because he did it the right way. And also just no matter what, I remember the year he won the Cy Young, the, the Mariners were terrible. He had a losing and, record. And he had a losing record, but his ERA was right. something like two. It was low two. And it was just incredible to watch a guy be that professional on a team that was as bad as that Mariners team was. Well, and, and Kyle Seeger, uh yeah, Kyle yeah, Seeger, yeah. another one, you know. You but can, every time Felix went out, you knew it was going to be less than two, less than three runs. You knew he was going to give you seven innings. And it didn't matter to him what the team did. He was out there doing his job no matter what. And I kind of wish be honest with you because the Rangers are so bad for so many years. I kind of wish that the Mariners with Felix and Ichiro and Kyle Seager had made a, a deep playoff run at some point. Cause that would have been a lot of fun to watch those guys in late October. Absolutely. Cause they, yeah. I mean, they just like Mike Trout, same thing with the angels. I, yeah. I don't want to see the angels make a playoff run, but I'd like to well, see Mike I, can Trout. Tell you, I can tell you right, Matt, right now, Mike Trout's never going to get a ring saying with the no. angels. I mean no. that, that rain, that angels organization's disaster. And me and well, CJ were talking to the other, or maybe it was me and you, Ben, about Rendon. I think it was me and you. Yeah, it was me and you talking oh, about Rendon. Yeah, oh, gosh. Man. We've talked about Rendon. The guys are trying not, to say that shorten the season. and That's a great question oh, I want to ask. Long. Derek, like, did you, on, did Derek. you ever deal with a professional that was as nonchalant and unprofessional as Rendon is right now? No. You know, <laughs> a lot of times you, you see – you see, there's always going to be those, those few that came up, you know, they had this, like, um, everybody always told them they were the best and they expected a certain, a certain way to be treated, a sense of entitlement. Um, but I think what happens as you're coming up the minor leagues is you usually have somebody that, um, gets you straight, right? You usually have somebody that's in the locker room. That's either a veteran or somebody who's a star that, you know, we'll come tell you like, Hey man, you ain't, you ain't that. And it ain't going to happen here. You're not going to be, you're not going to act that way here. You know, and that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about that happens behind the scenes with, with people that may not be vocal, may not be like a Kyle Seeger, 
who isn't the guy that you look at and is like, oh man, that guy probably keeps the team straight. But behind closed doors, he's one of the guys that's like, if there's a uh, and a conversation that needs to be had, he, he's gonna he's gonna have that hard, difficult conversation. That's what great leaders do, right? So I never had to deal with somebody that was that bad. I mean, I would say in my double A phase, I had probably a couple of knuckleheads that <laughs> I event that eventually end up, you know turning it around and, and realizing it, but uh, nobody ever that from what I've heard about Rendon um, is like that. So I just can't imagine being his teammate and hearing that interview where he says, Oh, it's not a priority at all. And thinking, I don't want to play next to this guy, man. I mean, it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. And you you're out there. If nothing else, it's a priority because you're trying to win for your teammates. Not because, I mean, it's like, this is a very small sample of it, but like here, I would hate to come on here completely unprepared and suck for CJ and Tyler because they're counting on me for this show to be good. And if I come out here with no preparation whatsoever and say, well, it's not a priority. I'm just here. Cause I'm getting paid, you know, yeah. vice versa. I mean, or like I told podcast, Tyler, I imagine it wouldn't be the same. If yeah. We I imagine if I went to my job as a teacher and didn't teach and like, well, I'm only here for the paycheck. You know, I would, that would be the end of my job. They would fire me. You know, it's like, it's weird what you can get away with in sports. With me you being can't an injured, injured, but, uh, an yeah, being, being brought up a great example of my job. Poof, yeah. I lose my license. Yeah. And there goes my money that's coming in, you know? Yeah, Ben brought up a great example. He said, Can you imagine me sitting in my classroom and all of a sudden these kids are going all ape shit? And uh, my principal comes in or my head, the head guy comes in and says, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I don't care. I'm just here because I get paid. <laughs> yeah. He said, What do you, where do you think I would be at? I'm like, Yeah, but that's what Rendon, that's exactly what he said. He was like, I, You know, honestly, I can care less about baseball. He's like, I'm getting paid 40 million a year. And he was like, it's all guaranteed money, so whatever. I'm like, gosh. Gift and the curse of guaranteed contracts in baseball, you know? Yep. Bingo. They're good They're good and bad, Bingo. I agree. Like, it's good that, that teams can't pull money from people, you know, because of injury and things, but then you got... It's not like and, the and to be honest with you, you keep screwing up and yeah. doing shit like that, that you, they but can to be, just cut you. To be honest with you, CJ, yeah. there's not been a lot of Anthony Rendones that have had that attitude. No, I, to me, it's, he's the first one. I mean... He's the first one I can think of that has openly said he doesn't care. Interesting about the whole... Uh, spider tack, uh, sticky yeah, stuff. Thing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, not just flat out saying, they need to shorten the season. It's too long. Eh. Yeah. And you can see watching him play, he didn't give a damn being out there on the field. But uh, all right, let's transition over to Derek. You got a new career endeavor going on. You are uh, doing some, some cool stuff. And I will say, uh, I enjoyed, it was during COVID whenever we were all shut down. And, uh, you remember me, you and I, uh, you and I talking a little bit, cause you were doing those videos of, you know, simple workouts with no weights and, you know, you got the hand on the wall and going over, you know, simple stuff like that. But then you do it over and over and over again to a baseball player. You're working out the muscles that you're not, that most people would not imagine. And, and tendons and, you know, everything else to try to keep everything intact. So you started this new endeavor and I'm sure that's, that's one of the uh, big things you're trying to teach. So, so talk about your new business, bud. Yeah. So I have a couple of things. Uh, one of the things I transitioned from, even while I was with the Mariners, I still had a lot of people that wanted to train. So I was doing some online training. Um, and then what I noticed, there's a big gap in my industry in the fitness strength conditioning industry where, uh, people don't really know a lot of the soft skills, right? They go out and they try to learn the X's and O's. They try to learn how to get somebody to get stronger, faster, um, but they don't know how to communicate with people. 
They don't know how to collaborate with somebody else to create a solid team. Uh, they don't know the business and marketing side. So if they ever want to step away from that profession or they ever don't want to work 60 hours in a gym, how to actually make money on the back end. So a lot of what I do now is I, I literally just had an event last weekend um, here where we had 140 something coaches that come in and independent owners that come in and we teach them, we bring speakers in top of the notch speakers in our industry. And they learn, you know, how to communicate, how to collaborate, the behavior change, behavior psychology, part of, part of fitness. And um, then on the back end, I help them build a business. So an online digital business, help them build courses. And yeah, so that's basically what I, what I do now. I don't, I'd still do some training. I do some training in person. I'll always do that. Um, but now I, I help more on the business end because I see the need for it. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's a huge need, especially in, in the business you're in, especially in personal training and all that. You guys, you know, a lot of the guys, and I've had uh, physical therapy a lot. I've had back issues and I've had to deal with, and those guys are fantastic at catering a plan and making me, you know, get better quickly, work out the right muscles. But then they have people that do all their billing and all their marketing and all, because they have no idea how to do any of that. All they're doing is what they're good at and what they love, which they got into it to help people. But you need to be able to help yourself too, on top of helping people. You need to be able to know how to run the business side of what you're doing. Absolutely. I mean, I've been in the fitness space for 18 years now. And throughout that time, I mean, I'm still learning today. I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur now, right? Um, but there's still a lot of things that I'm not great at. And those are skills just like any other skill that you have to get better at. And a lot of times you don't even have the awareness that you need to know that until life hits you in the face. You're like, oh crap, I got to provide for my family. Now I got to do, yeah. you know, I got to figure this thing out. So yeah, you're exactly right. Um, it's, 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 it's not an easy thing. So having something like this, where you can go and learn some of those soft skills, what we call them, um, from, from some of the best in the industry is, is much needed. Now, Derek, uh, saying that real quick, uh, what is the name of the company? So our viewers and listeners, uh, listening to this can go out there and know what to look up or where to find you at. Yeah. Find your prime is the name of my company, my business. And my handle is at Find Your Prime. And then I also run an event with a business partner out of Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, also a really good friend of mine named Nick Lamb. And the name of that event is Raise the Bar. So it's raising the bar of the fitness industry. All right. Well, both, both those links will be in the YouTube description and the podcast description for you guys to find if you want to look Derek up and learn more about what he does. So we appreciate, we appreciate what you're doing because, like I said, there's a lot of people out there that are good at what they do but they can't do it forever because they can't figure out how to make money at they're, it. And that, they're not, they're not invested. Yeah. You've got, I mean, Derek just like and Derek is invested, you know, invest in your clients, invest in just like a smaller is, scale for us. CJ, if, if you and I weren't willing to go out there and hustle, you know, business, if we didn't know the business side, you know, this thing, I did this thing for years and made $0 and lost money on it because I didn't know how to go out there and ask people for money and pick up sponsors and actually do, do this right. And that'll be figured. I mean, it took me, I mean, I started this thing in 2011 and we didn't start making money until 2022. So it took me 11 years to figure out how to make money. When you introduced me back to the podcast. Well, yeah, because you actually knew, you actually knew business better than I did. Like I I was, I'm going to say where the real money started. I'm going to say where the real money started flowing in is once I joined the podcast. So we'll just go with that. That's true. Your brother, your brother is the single biggest donor we've had from one one check since we started doing this. Hey, but now, now we're network affiliated. We've got sponsors. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like Wade yeah, was like, Wade told us last week, me and Tyler, <laughs> y'all guys are more serious on this podcast. We had Wade, Derek, we had Wade McNutt last week. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, 
and he is like, y'all are way more serious. Uh, yeah, he was kind of offended about he's everything like, we had to say off the like, top, all our networks got all, and all these that. sponsors and all this. <laughs> and he's, he's actually Derek, when you listen to this episode, he's the one that came up with the range of report song, the intro. That is awesome. I know he's an artist. I know he's, uh, he's, he's, Kurt, he's Christian Christian music, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, very talented. He wrote a song for us that I use at the top of every episode, so it's pretty funny. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a talented dude, man. But anyway, no, that's awesome, and I'm glad you do that, Derek. And I hope, I mean, I think I guess it's going well for you right now. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. ups and downs, man. But I love it. So I ain't going anywhere. That's fantastic. All right, we are going to take a short break here on the Ranger Report podcast. When we come back, more with Derek Mendoza. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Ranger Report podcast. I am CJ Berryman here with Tyler Nielsen and Ben Dieter and our special guest host, Derek Mendoza, who we are about to have some stories with because (laughs) Tyler and I kind of grew up with this dude uh, who was a star athlete, the most feared football player I've ever seen in my life. And Tyler's got some stories. I've got some stories. Derek, I'm sure you've got plenty of stories on us. So uh, we're going to start off here. Tyler, why don't you uh, tell Derek about about a story? Um, as we all know, Derek was the hardest hidden motherfucker there was in uh, in high school. I mean, he was feared upon. I mean, when Derek hit you, you knew. <laughs> And my first experience of getting reality, getting hit by Derek Mendoza, I got called up from JV and CJ, me and you were locker roommates or however you want to call it and go in there. And I start, and I'll never forget, uh, walked into the varsity locker room and um, I started looking around. I started seeing these names. I started seeing Hodges. I started seeing uh, Ramirez's. I started seeing... And I'm just going around and I'm trying to find my nameplate. I'm just trying to figure out where my locker's at. And finally find my locker. You know, I was number 25. And of course, Derek was number 33. And I started walking around. And I see Mendoza. And I'm like, yep, I'm here. You know, I mean, you had, um, I mean, you just had, you had Hernandez, you know, Gilbert. You had all of them. I mean, you had a lot of good players on Barba. You had the Barbas. You had, I mean, just a great, great freaking group of guys. Uh, Zamora. Um, just, just walking around this locker room, I was in awe, you know, but I was like, okay, you could take it in for all you want, but you're here to do a job. Well, um, coach Ezra told me, he said the first practice, you know, he said, we're not going to take it easy on you. He said, you're here, you're on varsity for a reason. And we want you to see if you can play in this league. And I was like, okay, well, I get in the huddle. And of course my favorite route was the 92 and Fairfield Vision, of course, I you know always scan in the field, but I come across and I see Derek Mendoza sitting right there. You know he's a headhunter, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, shit. I'm like, I'll just run right past him, if anything. And lo and behold, uh, Cody takes a freaking snap, and I take off, 
And next thing I know, Derek hit, had hit me so hard. This is no joke. The coaches said I was six, at least six to eight feet horizontal. My body was completely sideways up in the air. And when I landed, I was looking out my ear hole. And I remember coach, uh, my receiver coach, Coach Cabazuela and Coach Conger helping me up. And he was like, uh, they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm fine. I mean, I didn't have a concussion or anything. I, I just kind of freaked out, you know, like what I already knew what happened. I already knew Derek could fuck me up. <laughs> and so I get my helmet adjusted and all that. And, uh, the drills in and all that. And I remember Derek coming up to me and he goes, uh, he looked me straight in the eyes. He said, you ready to play with the big boys now? <laughs> and from that day on, I was like, yep, I'm in the big leagues. And I always made sure from that point on, I always made sure I found a window, but I always did my best to avoid Derek Mendoza because I'm telling you, man. He always knew where 33 was. He always knew where 33 was on the field. I mean, even though I was a quarterback and wearing the red jersey, I still knew where D was. Yeah. Even though you're not supposed to get touched, I guarantee it, Derek's still coming for you because it's not fair to Derek. He hated that too. And that's another part of one of my stories that I'm going to tell. Derek, do you remember remember lighting his ass up? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably lit them up a few times, you know. No, you did. This, those are some of my favorite things to do, right? I, I, the reason why I played linebackers, I love contact. You know, that I, I lived that kind of stuff. So anytime I could get a little, uh, you know, what I would consider, you know, these pansy inside receivers trying to come in my territory, I'd take it anytime I could, you know. <laughs> and that was my favorite route, Derek. <laughs> 92, 92. Until that day, huh? <laughs> Yeah, uh, me, and, me and CJ were on QE, but you know, in, in JV, it's freaking just like you, you can do it with a blindfold, you know. But when, once you get to that level with you guys and you get up there and it's like, all right, man, I'm gonna throw 92. I got Cody Hodges as my quarterback. Yeah, you sit Derek, there and realize though, Derek Mendoza's, Derek Mendoza's right there in the middle, though. <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny, man. Uh, I got a kind of a half or a one and a half story. Uh, do you remember Derek senior year? Uh, First, we'll start, we'll start with practice, and I was pretty good. I was good with my legs, um, strong arm from baseball, you know, all that kind of stuff, pitching, all that kind of stuff. But they like to run 10 draw. We like to run. That was my favorite. 10, 10 draw, let Jared Horton take the guard and let Tim do a, what they call the loop and come at you. I love Tim and. Draw. Uh, yeah, you did. And every time I had the red jersey on, I'd run up there and I'd try to juke you and I'd be like, oh, I got you, D. And then after the play, you go, I so wish you did not wear that red jersey because I'd light your ass up. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm glad I'm wearing this red jersey. <laughs> yeah, those are the best, man. I mean, those are the worst. Uh, you know, you, you make the play, you get there, you're in position, you can easily light somebody up and then you got to hold off. <laughs> Or yeah, nudge because you're gonna get in trouble. And then and then listen to me yeah. talk shit afterwards. Like I was putting jet yeah. moves, and I'm like, you yeah. know, like how do I get around Derek? Because Derek, I mean, Derek was like he was freaking huge. I mean, it's like okay, if I face a guy, and then we had some linebackers that were close to Derek's size that we played against, not as not as big and athletic as him. So I'm utilizing those opportunities in practice, you know, kind of put some moves on him, and I know he can't touch me. But he's gonna he's gonna make sure he gets his hands on me. Oh yeah, and and be like, oh, I would have killed you, bro. I would have killed you. But uh, another, and, he, uh, and he, you know what, CJ, he would have killed you. He oh, would have, yeah. <laughs> dude. I remember also freshman year they uh, they were playing me everywhere. I'm playing free safety, and they put you at linebacker. 
This is before you got called JV. Put me at free safety. And everybody was so afraid to attack to tackle you. And you were playing running back. They had you and I think Tyler Yenzer playing fullback. And so that was a mean <laughs> combo oh, yeah. right off the bat. So obviously the linebackers didn't want to touch you. The D-line didn't want to touch you. <clears throat> I made the huge mistake of just going, I'm going to show him I'm not afraid of him. So I come down from safety. You're about eight yards downfield. And I try to get low. And you got even lower and trucked the living crap out of me <laughs> and gave me a stinger. And and I felt, oh, my God, that hurts so bad. I'm like, I'm never <laughs> – <laughs> but uh, that that's a side story uh, so remember uh, Dumas our senior year yeah yeah. we, we ran uh, 10 draw and I was about to score and I, I'm not going to say the guy's name because I well don't want to get sued but you know who <laughs> I'm talking about uh, he he was uh, he was a damn good player for them he actually tackled me at the one yard line and then started reaching into my face mask and like gouged my eye, like underneath my eye, and I'm bleeding and I was pissed. And apparently, so was Derek watching that happen from the sidelines. So uh, we ran quarterback sneak on the next play. I scored, and I'm still talking shit to this dude, and I'm mad and blood's kind of dripping, you know, kind of down down my cheek and down on my jersey. And the first person to meet me on the sidelines was was D mm-hmm. and he's like, are you okay? Cause it looked like it was my eye bleeding. You're like, you all right. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. He, he reached in there and he got underneath my head. He goes, I'll, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Little this dude. know. Mm-hmm. Derek also played on special teams. And this guy was the kick returner. <laughs> Dad, Derek, you know what, you know, what's coming, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So kickoff happens. He returns it out of the end zone. He goes to the right sidelines. And Derek hits him so hard, he flies right from right from uh, out of bounds. I mean, right as he was stepping out of bounds, Derek hit him so hard, launched him onto the track and into the bench. And the guy actually tore his ACL on that play. Um, And and Derek came back. He came back after. I was like, dude, you didn't have to do that. And he goes, I told you I'd take care of it. <laughs> hey, it's like the old it's like the old saying goes, gentlemen, karma's a bitch. That's right. That's he right. Yeah. Derek, you remember that? Oh yeah. And I remember, you know, launching him and kind of being like surreal. It's like, man, did he really go that far? <laughs> <laughs> I remember I watched it on on film too. Oh, you know, was- running that thing back, that thing back. It's like got I got him pretty good. I got oh, him pretty yeah. good. Flew I, in into the into the into the benches, through the benches, and onto the track. Onto the track, man. All right, that reminds me of story time. Since we're doing it, it has nothing to do with any of y'all, but it has to do with me. I played soccer in high school for three years. I don't look like it now, but I was actually an athlete in high school. That was a hundred years ago. But <laughs> I, I had a, a dude that was driving me nuts this whole game. And so, speaking of that, I did the same thing you did, Derek. Except in soccer, that's not really looked at fondly by the referees. So I'm running at this dude. He's coming at me. He goes to juke, and I just lower my shoulder. I'm about 185, and this kid's about 130. And when I made contact with his chest, he probably went 15 feet in the air and then couldn't breathe when he landed for about 45 seconds. Put a hurting on him. And my coach... 
when I got to the sidelines after I received a red card, obviously I was thrown out of the game. Uh, I got to the sidelines and my coach said, good Lord, you should have played football. He said, that was the best linebacker hit I've seen all year. And it was in a soccer game. I mean, I, the poor kid, man, I don't know if he ever recovered from that moment. He was scared of me. He probably didn't, man. I was a junior and he was a sophomore. And the next year he wouldn't go anywhere near me on the soccer field. So I I got a quick, quick follow-up to that doom story, D. All right. So we're uh, in baseball now. (laughs) And so we're playing in the friendship tournament and Dumas is there. And I mean, there's, there's games going on all over the, all over the place. You know what I mean? Tournament style. And so me and Stuart Carr were going to watch, we were going to play Dumas. Um, I think it was the second game because we beat Canyon the first game. I I can't remember exactly. I, we, I played a shitload of baseball games. Um, Good memory. But yeah. um, me and Stuart Carr walking up there and and gonna go watch Dumas and just kind of kind of watch him play. And a dude steps up into the batter's box, and it's the guy you lit up wearing a huge knee brace. And I went, <laughs> "Hey, Stuart." Derek and he was like yep I can't believe that dude's trying to play baseball right now <laughs> and he did he could not I mean I don't know why he tried kudos to him for trying but yeah he didn't he didn't finish I mean I think he was done after after that tournament because he could he can't do that with a repaired ACL no way Man. I don't think Derek ever understood how strong or how freaking – I don't know if you ever did, Derek, or not, but I recall one of the memories I have about you, we were in the field house because it had been raining or snowing or something. We couldn't practice outside. And uh, there's a guy on our team that went to play professionally. He went to the NFL, and his name was Andrew Carnahan. He was an offensive line, and he was about six foot seven. would y'all say, guys? Six, six seven. Six, seven, yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. And Derek was, you know, he took his size to advantage. He'd pick on you. He would do so much shit to you. And he didn't care because he knew he could get he can get away with it with his size. Well, Derek, how tall were you in high school? You were what, like 5'10? Six six no, I was six, six, I was six one. Oh, were you in your six foot? Yeah, I was six one and a half. Yeah, six one and a half. But Derek, I mean, Derek didn't put up a shit. And so I never forget we're in the field house and the coaches hadn't arrived yet or anything. And everybody's you know those uh, blocking pads, CJ? Mm-hmm. For the offensive line. Well, freaking Carnahan's chunking that shit hard, dude. Hitting people on the head. I mean, their backs are turned. He was, Derek, you know this. Andrew was a damn bully. He was a bully. Anytime he got a chance, whenever we got to athletics, he was a damn bully because he Yeah, and, and they were sitting nobody there. Gonna, nobody get, until. Mm-hmm. Until. Yeah. And, until. Until. Freaking Derek and them were in a group talking, him and some buddies. And he kept on chunking over, and I think he hit uh, Anthony Ramirez. I want to say it was Anthony Ramirez in the back. And you got pissed, Derek. Mm-hmm. And you looked over, and you looked at Andrew, and you said, throw one of them motherfuckers at me again and see what happens. Well, Andrew, you know, being all goofy and freaking what an idiot he was, he thought it was a joke. Well, he threw one, and I don't know if it hit you in the back of the head, Derek, but I know it definitely hit you in the back, somewhere in the your head or the back. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I see this freaking rocket coming across full speed in a full freaking sprint running across this field house. And Andrew had his head turned to the left, and Derek T-boned him so hard. Speared the living yeah. shit out of him. Speared the living shit out of him, and Andrew was on the ground wheezing. He was going, 
I don't think he was like a Derek. It's like, I told you, don't fuck with me, dude. And he he gets up and he or Derek didn't even freaking fall. Derek just freaking just took him out. And Derek just walked over. Derek, he's like, Derek, nope. What what people also don't know, Derek, you know, was yeah, big dude, big supreme, one of the best athletes Herford's ever produced. And but he was also very humble and very quiet. Yeah, he really didn't talk a whole lot of shit unless we were in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't talk shit to the opponents hardly at all. He just went out there and killed people. And those were always the scary guys, the guys that wouldn't talk crap, and then you knew that that like if yeah. it came down to it, they were going to murder you. Those are the guys that scared me in in athletics as a high schooler. Well, that's what Derek was. I mean, yeah, he was saying, oh, the the quiet, calm one, and then you see him. But here, the here's like, oh, the crap. thing, Ben. <laughs> Derek was scary physically in yeah. person. Yeah. So, yeah, d- the fact that he was quiet, we appreciated that. Yeah. So I know you I know you know who I'm talking about. There was a lot of guys that were mouthers, run their mouths and uh one of your friends in high school whose ass I kicked regularly. <laughs> and I'm sure you remember a couple of the fights that I had with him. Um which No Derek, names. Eric broke up. I'm not saying any names, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, right. yeah, we have a lot of listeners now. Don't drop any names. Yeah, no, but Derek knows who I'm talking about. Uh, a guy Derek, Derek knew very well. They loved to just talk shit and get into fights and he'd fuck with me too many times and I'd have to handle it. So I had a few fights in, in, in football practice and at baseball practice with this guy. And I always came out on top. <laughs> I was, I mean, I'm, I'm a guy. You're a scrapper, CJ. You're a scrapper. Yeah. I mean, just keep, keep poking at me and I'm finally going to just unleash now against Derek. He just, I'd let Derek know Derek never picked on anybody. He never really did ever. Um, but if he did, I mean, I'd let him know. And I'd probably find him get my ass kicked because I have to at least let him know, look, man, I ain't putting up with this shit. That's the kind of person I was. CJ, there ain't no probably in it that you would get your ass kicked. <laughs> the beauty about it, man, is I, I didn't I, I love contact and I even though I was quiet, I had a temper, but I was the type of guy that I was waiting for somebody to just mouth off or pop off to give me a reason. Because yeah. I never wanted to be the guy who started something, but I always waited like for be the, the guy bully, that finished it. The bully or the guy that thought he could treat people a certain way to just do something to me or to somebody I was with and give me a reason. So I wasn't the bad guy once I whooped him or, you know, after, after there was an altercation, I wasn't the one that started it. So I lived, I, I lived for those moments back in the day. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I remember the, the Andrew Carnahan thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was a, that was a crazy thing because he always was trying to pick on people and him and I would have at it. I mean, I love going against him in practice, you know, cause I had leverage. I was like you said, I was super strong. Um, that was probably one of my biggest skills is I was much stronger than, than I would say everybody else, you know, you were, I mean, it's a fact. It wasn't even close. And and so, you know, that was one of the things that people couldn't get around him because they'd get a hold, he'd get a hold of you, you know, but I had brute strength where I was a little athletic too. And I could, you know, overpower him with some strength. So I love being able to, to get on the field with those kind of guys who were a little bit more like, empowering or, or, or overpowering that if you were smaller or, you know, they could take advantage of you. And I, I, I love that the co- the competitive part of that. So talk right. about your time playing linebacker at North Texas. Um, I know you had a, a few injuries there or a couple injuries there that kind of 
Uh, how long did you play football at North Texas? Was yeah, it six years? I was, I was there for five years, and my first year I redshirted. And, you know, the, the crazy thing about this, and I've told this story a lot lately because a lot of people have started asking me, you know, as we've gotten depth with a lot of new people in the fitness space that, 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 uh, you know, I'm coaching and mentoring. I've, I've started to tell this story a little bit and I didn't tell it a lot because I remember when I came into North Texas, I was, I was the guy that was used to being an athlete and not really having to, I worked hard. I was in the gym all the time, but like, I didn't really know what it was like to take that next level of working hard. And I remember my first practice and I'm out there, I'm like, man, everybody's just as strong as me, as fast as me, and as big as me. And I walked into uh, the the linebackers room and they had all the linebackers listed out and they had each position. And I was literally, I don't remember if it was 17, 20, 23, but I was the last linebacker on the list. And so I remember how that made me feel. And so I had gotten injured, a very little injury, but we thought it was going to be serious. I hurt my knee and in the spring practice. And I was like, man, I thought it was a little more serious than it was. But I remember being on the phone with my mom on the way on the way home um, after practice. And I'm like, you know, telling her what happened. She's like, oh, you know, consoling me like a mother would. But I remember thinking like, man, this is my opportunity to go home. This is my opportunity to like, say I got injured. And you know, this is just what happened. I got injured. I tried and man, this ended my career. Um, and so that was like a turning point for me because at that moment I had to make a decision, right? I was like, man, I'm not as good as everybody else or I'm not better than everybody else. Like I was used to being. And now is a perfect opportunity to pack my bags and go home. And I was homesick. And I remember that night I had some deep conversations with myself. I'm a spiritual guy with God. And I remember thinking, um, you know, I gave myself basically two choices. I said, okay, you can pack it up and go home right now. And that's fine. You'll have an excuse or you can stick it out. But if you decide to stick it out tomorrow morning, when you make the decision, you will never give yourself the opportunity to quit again. You'll never, that's not even an option. And so I remember that was like the turning point for me. And from then on, something clicked. And I started watching the people I had. I had people in front of me, like Chris Hurd, um, Cody Spencer, who played in the NFL for a while. Um, that was a middle linebacker. That I just sat back and I watched. I observed. I, I would get to the field and I'd see what they would do to, perfect, to prepare. And I started, you know, creating those same habits. I had the skill, you know, uh, but what what that next level was, what it meant to be prepared. And so from then on, um, we opened up against Texas my redshirt freshman year. I remember this. I was I was in the Air Force and I was stationed in Guam. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember this looking at the stat sheet. Yep. Winning the winning the starting job. And from then on, for the next four years, I started every game except for injuries. So I had a couple of knee injuries that keep me out two, three games here and there. Um, but I remember getting there and not being the best and now having to work for it and figuring out what that meant, but also having to not tuck my tail and say, Hey, when you're used to being the guy and then all of a sudden you're not the guy, that's very intimidating. That's very like, man, what somebody just punched me in the mouth now, right? Now I'm not the guy that's beating people up on the field. Now I'm the one that's getting beat up. I'm the one that's, you know, so 
it, it was a it was a crazy experience to to kind of now looking back, seeing like, oh, it was that one decision I made. And so I use that a lot. It's like you're one decision away. Yeah. You know, you didn't I didn't decide leading up to that moment. It took that time, something to happen for me to say, you know what, I need to decide. And when I decide, there's no looking back. And so yeah, I loved it, man. I loved it. Um, once I once I earned that starting role, um, I became a captain my junior and senior year. Um, and it was just an honor to be able to, you know, be looked at as somebody who was somebody they could emulate, right? Somebody they could they respected after the way I felt about myself when I first got there. So I loved it, man. It was some of the best years of my life. Well, Derek, and I think it's also a testament to what uh kind of what CJ had mentioned earlier about how humble you are, but I think it's a huge testament to your faith. You know, uh God gets you through a lot of uh through a lot of these things, you know, through your ups and downs. And, you know, like you said that night, you know, you went through your faith and you, you made, two, you had two options basically. And I think it's also a testament to your family. Uh, I, I know your dad very well, and I know your mother very well, and you were raised the right way as a kid. And it obviously shows. And now do you know your, um, your actual stats while you were at UT? How many, how many tackles did you end up with? I actually have no idea. And I purposely not, not looked at my stats because, and here's the reason why is because I have a lot of friends who um, that's all they cared about. What, what's me, in the box score. Yeah. And to me, what always mattered was when I would get, when I would have a, uh, a safety that would come up to me and tell me, you know, like, Hey, I love playing behind you because I know you're going to plug a hole. I know you're going to, do what you can in, in, uh, in, you know, in pass defense. And, and, you know, those are the kind of things that matter to me. I love plugging holes. And so a lot on the stat line that doesn't show up, um, you know, is, is what I thrived on. Yeah. So I purposely haven't looked at that. I'm sure it's easy to look up. I'm sure it's over, <laughs> you know, I don't know, over a hundred, hundred and something. I don't know, but yeah, I don't, I don't really, I've kind of always been that way. I'm a numbers guy, but not when it comes to like stats. Probably right. not when it comes to stats about yourself either. Yeah, yeah, I think that might be that might be more so what it is. All right, before we let you go, uh, we're we're about to wrap up. And again, Derek Mendoza, thank you for joining us. Tyler, or, uh, Tyler, sorry, CJ has one more story he's got to get in here before uh, before we wrap it up. And he's he's excited about this. Speaking of stats, all right, CJ, let, let's go. So I am holding in my hand. <laughs> One of my no hitters thrown, many no hitters, <laughs> but this one's special to me because Derek was not just a murderer on the football field. He was in the batter's box as well. And actually, I only gave up two home runs to him, and that was when we were playing in majors, which had happened in the same game because <laughs> I left the fastball too high and he just like stuck his bat out there and bam, it was gone. But uh, this is a little before that. This is dated June. 22nd, 1995. <laughs> CJ Berryman, shutout, no hitter. Coach Eddie Ambold, God bless his soul. Uh, Coach Charlie Kerr, Phillies, three. A's, zero. Who played for the A's that day? <laughs> I remember this vividly. I remember this vividly. I remember. That game, I was uh I decided I don't want to play that game because 
I want. Oh bullshit! Come on, D. <laughs> That's what I think. I think. I think CJ just uh, found. Uh, I think CJ was bored. He got grounded one night and get, found a baseball in his closet and just started scribbling this stuff on a baseball. <laughs> no, nope. I, mean, I, I will admit that baseball does look like it is vintage and it was not made recently. So okay, we nope. got to. This 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 baseball is since 1995, bro. That's crazy. Do you remember me throwing that no hitter against you? I mean, I'm not going to admit it, you know. But I'm not, <laughs> yes, I'm not, I'm not hey, I thought you I, said you were humble. I'm not going to say that I don't not remember it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, and we were, I mean, we were kids, you know. No hitters don't happen. Yeah. Unless you're a badass pitcher, so I am going to tell myself <laughs> because I went against this dude. Um, there was one play and I'll never forget Derek got one and it just happened to just be a laser, uh, to right field and our right fielder, uh, his name was Eric Ambold, uh, stuck his glove out. There. I mean, he was so uncoordinated, <laughs> you know, that's why he played right field. Yeah. I was gonna say, that's why you're in right field. I played so, right field my whole career. If that tells you anything. So uncoordinated. And, and I knew like in the, it was like, we actually went six innings, I think, because we had time limits back then. I think we went yeah. full six innings. Four six innings back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, Derek hits this laser. I mean, I I don't think I've ever struck you out, Derek. I don't, maybe once or twice. Mm. I don't I don't remember them. Oh, come on. Say you remember, and it was like a brilliant I, I'm, I'm being honest, man. I'm Derek's, being, like, Derek's like, I'm pretty sure you never did. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. He always he always made contact, and usually it was hard-ass contact. No, okay, okay. Now, now that now it's kind of coming back to me. I got him to – so I was trying to keep the ball low, and he grounded out to me twice in his first two at-bats, which were actually weak grounders. And then third at-bat, I mean – and. Charlie Kerr and Eddie Ambold and everybody knows I got a no hitter going. And uh, so they're sitting there. At, I'll never forget it. Charlie Kerr in, in the dugout. He's going, you know, he's got the scorebook and he's like, CJ, you know, you have a no hitter going. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why would you tell me that? Yeah. Don't tell me. I'm that. like, well, I was a kid too. I was like, what? And so all, you know, all us being kids, all the kids going, he's got a no hitter going. And, you know, I obviously was a baseball fanatic. And I was like, okay, y'all sit over there. I'm sitting over here. And so I just (laughs) sat there and I'm sitting there going. And I said, uh, 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 coach, I think it was coach Ambold. Eddie Ambold, he gave me the lineup and I'm looking at who I got to face next in the, in the sixth. And the first guy I had to face in the sixth was, Derek Mendoza. <laughs> now I knew the two guys after him. I could strike out. That was no problem. Well, that's when you just walk them. Yeah, well, <laughs> you didn't have just a walk them. You'll still have your no hitter. You didn't have a perfect game going. You had a no hitter. You, know? <laughs> you had a no yeah. hitter. I think I had four walks that game. <laughs> yeah. So so so, so so I'm saying you just got up to the freaking sixth inning and just walked him because you already knew you're going to strike up the next two. No, you were going to do it the hard way, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna do a layup for him, you know. <laughs> right. He Derek drills a laser to right field, and Eric starts running towards it, and I'm just like, you know, please hope that it just hits his chest so hard that it just sticks. <laughs> you know, to keep my noter. Sure enough, he just stuck his hand out 
the ball hit his glove. It was like Sandlot when uh, Smalls <laughs> catches his first dim. Yeah, he just stuck. I mean, he had the fucking glasses and everything. <laughs> stuck his hand out. The ball hits his hand and it spins him around. And he gets up and he looks at the he looks at his glove. <laughs> He's got the damn ball. And I'm like, I'm about to throw a no hitter. <laughs> I got past Derek. I'll just let you guys I'll just let you guys know. You said about right field as a right fielder. I made some amazing catches that didn't have to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, I misplayed the ball so bad I had to make diving catches to save myself. I made some great catches. I made some highlight reel catches that probably should have been lazy fly balls, but you know, I'd run 15 steps forward and realize, oh man, that's over my head. And I'd turn around and start sprinting, make some great catches. Well, Ben, you know, it's funny because as my brother would say, he sat out there as a right fielder and did Indian style and picked oh, daisies. Yeah. yeah, I did when I was a kid. There you go, hey, I'll tell yeah, you what. Yeah. CJ never for he he is every time I've talked to CJ where, where there's been years apart, right? Where we'll talk. He never lets me forget that story. So. <laughs> well, and, and there's a thing here's a, here's a weird thing too. Even in basketball growing up, you and I were never not one time on the same team in yeah. anything. I know that's crazy. Especially when such a small town, you know, yeah. Yeah, every year you're playing for a different team, so yeah. at some point you would you would think that that would happen. But well, know. Derek, I don't think we were ever on the same team either no. growing up as little leagues because I played for the Mariners, you know, growing up with the Bigums, uh, Steve Bigum being the head coach, and but I don't ever remember recall us in basketball being on the same team. Um, yeah. Other than Derek, high school, Derek played for Nazarene. I remember uh, I played for West Central. We swept y'all. Or swept I mean, in fifth in fifth grade. We swept. You played for West Central. You played for the team that combined all the public schools. That's, That's true. exactly what they did there. Played against the schools. Come on. Yeah, we yeah. had Jeremy Blakely. We exactly. Yeah, it was all the schools combined. Exactly, and you. We were still giving y'all hell. So, but, but the kids, <laughs> the kids from West Central, was the ones that made up the team. Though. I mean, we had Jeremy, sure, which Jeremy was badass. But yeah, uh, yeah me. I mean, believe it or not, there was one point in time in fifth grade I was actually as tall as Derek. Yeah, I played. That's long gone. I yeah, played I with Derek. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I think uh, I had my big growth spurt seventh grade because then you know I was. I think I was six foot by the end of our eighth grade or early yeah. ninth grade. Year. I was the tallest and kid I was in my class five, in fifth grade. I was five seven, five seven in sixth grade, tall playing post fifth sixth grade. You know, you remember that, and mm-hmm. y'all think, grew up, and I just didn't. I think I was five eight in fifth grade. I was the tallest kid in my class, and I'm five ten now. So you know, that was it, man. After fifth grade, I grew two more inches, and I was done. Hey, when y'all want hear the funniest? Y'all want to hear the funniest thing about growth spurt? Let's hear. I uh, I get there for physicals. You remember how physicals used to work? You had to go to the Hertford ISD building and yeah, do you know going cough there. and all that docs in there and all that Spread stuff. Your, and I walked in, and look, yep, and, sure. yeah, yeah, walked in and I was five foot four. I was always tiny. I was always short, as Derek and CJ remember. But I was always real short. And I showed up my junior year, and I was on varsity my junior year, and showed up. And all these coaches start coming up to me like, Coach, like, who are you? Are you a new new athlete or something? I'm like, I'm Tyler Nielsen. I'm like, it's me. They're like, holy crap. I grew eight inches in one summer. Oh, wow. Eight inches. 
And I've not grown an inch since then. I'm six foot tall. <laughs> well, I was a five four to six foot tall. I've shrunk since high school. When people complain about their height or their skill level or whatever, and they said, "Oh, if I would have been this tall, I would have done." I said, "Hey, man, you should have chose your parents better. You know, <laughs> chose your parents better." <laughs> I would say I almost made professional baseball. If I just could have gotten some hits in the first grade, maybe I would have made it. But my career pretty much derailed that. So. You, know, you need that confidence. Confidence yeah. is important. You guys know that. You yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, Derek, we really appreciate it tonight. This has been a lot of fun, man. Yeah. It's been great. Guys, it's been fun getting to you know hang out with Tyler and CJ. We ain't, I ain't seen you guys in a while. This was great. Thank you guys for having me and, and getting to have some laughs with you, Ben. So I appreciate yeah. you guys having me. And Derek, well, Derek, we appreciate it too. And we always consider you a brother. You know, we hadn't talked in a while. And um, once a Harvard boy, always a Harvard boy, as CJ right. would say. And uh, yeah. we're all family, man. Yeah, and, right and, there on the side of my hat. Yeah, oh, there's double, double H's. Like Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So, uh, like I said, I've got your number now. And obviously, I'll, I'll be in contact with you. Yep, there's there's one. I haven't got mine's in my, in my room. But I'm not going to pull it out. So I've got I've got multiple Hereford hats and multiple uh, Hereford gear. Because I mean, when I got out of the Air Force, I went and got my degree in broadcast journalism. Yeah. And my first job was actually back in Hereford, being the yep. sports editor. So yeah. I got a lot of coaches that we still, you know, that were that we had, like uh, Garza, uh, yeah. Davis. Uh, <clears throat> There's quite a few there. Yep. Uh, Coach Cab always made an appearance, but he was retired at the time. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so and and going going back into that, and which is demolished now, the old field house and yeah. and the old locker rooms. It stuff. looks nice though now. It looks really nice. Oh, it's sweet. Oh, I couldn't imagine playing football back in that era. Us guys playing with that freaking yeah. locker room and crap. Golly, the the facilities are freaking amazing now. It's like gosh it's pretty cool my brother took me in a tour on it or he was like i wouldn't consider it a tour it's a high school place but he's like no come in and check it out and walked around that place and it's absolutely insane you know it, it's beautiful well yeah. thank you guys again and thank you guys listening no. for putting up with a longer show but hey only comes once every fourth year or every four years today's february 29th so you know it's a leap year that's why the show's Bingo. so long because you know it's only comes once every four years so nobody it was it was Derek, great great content it, great content and Derek, man, it's, it, I yep. love you, bro. It's good to yep. see you again. Uh, even though it's, it's through uh digital stuff. I mean, I remember yep. so much, so many, so many, so many memories. Great memories. Great memories. Yep. Well, Derek, let me know you go. Do you go to Rangers games, Derek? I do. I do. I, I, I cover 10 or 12 years. Every time the Mariners come into town, I'll, I'll go and then I'll have, I'll, I'll grab one of the strength coaches and go have a beer or something afterwards. So yeah. I, well, let me know. Let me know. I'll come. I cover games. I'll try to cover a Mariners game. Maybe we can meet and go have a beer. Let's do it. I'm All right. That. All right, guys. Sweet. On that, CJ. Drop the deuce. Deuces. Deuces. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.